You ready? We're going to sing a song to start with today. You've been listening and talking and listening and listening and listening. So we're going to sing. How's that singing? Does that sound good? I'm going to teach you a song. (laughs) And it goes like this. You ready? Grace to you. Grace to you. May grace abound in all you do. Grace to do the will of the Father. Grace, grace to you. That's pretty easy, right? Okay, I want you to have to eyeball somebody this time because you know that emotions are through your eyes. Did you know that? And you know that we're emotional persons about three years before we're verbal persons, and we communicate through the eyes. So I'd like you to look at somebody right in the eye and sing, grace to you, grace to you, may grace abound in all you do, grace to do the will of the Father, grace, grace to you. All right, that wasn't so hard, was it? You got it? (laughs) That is a little difficult, isn't it, at times to do that? So let us pray. Our Father in heaven, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, who you did not withhold because of the love that you had for us, but freely gave him up for us so that we might be in right relationship with you, and you've given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a surety of our salvation. We love you. I pray that you will take every word that is good and true, the long distance from the head to the heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Grace to you. Grace to you. May grace abound in all you do. Grace to do the will of the Father. Grace, grace to you. That's good news, isn't it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. It was void. And God's voice has spoke across the face. And he, God, who always was, he decided to make Stuff And he made all that stuff through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, John chapter 1 reminds us that everything that was made was made through him. And he must have liked making stuff because he made a lot of it. He enjoyed creating. And when he created, God gave us, in Genesis chapter 1, we record something called the dominion mandate. He said, look, I want you creatures of mine to enjoy this creative activity. And so I'm going to give you certain dominion. I'm going to give you certain control, some management over. And so he gave the dominion mandate. Remember, this was before the fall. He gave, he said, I want you to take rule and multiply and take dominion over the fish and the birds and all the creepy crawly things. And I want this to be an expanding joy of kingdom and fellowship. And I want you to take rulership. And one of the things that's been really hard to take rulership over is COVID and our life and our thoughts and our desk sometimes. How many of you need to still take dominion over your desk? Come on, mass confession is good. It's a very good thing. (laughs) How about dominion over your thoughts? How about dominion over unforgiveness? How about dominion over bitterness? How about dominion over broken relationships? As much as lies within you live what? At peace with all people. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad that I can be with you today. Uh, Dr. Dobbins was the founder of Emerge Counseling Ministries. As you, many of you may know, Doc was 
an Assemblies of God pastor. He was a pastor when he was 16 years old, 16. He, in fact, he was so convinced that Jesus was coming that he dropped out of high school <laughs> to preach. And then he gets married the next year. And when he's 17, his wife has their first child. And his wife goes into a very dark place. She went into something called what we call a postpartum psychosis. She thought that she had committed the unpardonable sin. And on three occasions, she tried to take her life. Now think about this. This was 40-some years ago, 50-some years ago. 60 years ago, when people would not be sitting in a room like this listening to a spirit-filled, tongue-speaking psychologist, <laughs> they would say there are Christians and there are psychologists, but there are no Christian psychologists. Yeah, that was those days before that. So they went to the medical field for help. They said, we need help because my wife is trying to kill herself. And they said, you've got to get rid of your crazy religion because your religion is making you sick. Well, they went to their pastoral friends for help, and they said, well, Dolores, if you would just have a better devotional life, if you would pray more, read your Bible more, if you, would have, if you would just pray in tongues more, you wouldn't have these problems. They could not find anybody in the medical field that understood their faith. They could not see anybody in their faith community that understood her medical needs. And you see, out of a painful experience in life, God is still good, even in the midst of pain. And out of that painful experience, Emerge Ministries was born. And in that ministry, over 200,000 pastors have been served. Amen. So I just want to say, praise God for Emerge. Thank the Lord that you're here. And so many, there's, there's my office, is right up there, right there. That's my office, right there. So just wave a little bit. I'm up there sort of at some of the time. But that's Emerge. We're really grateful that you're here. So I just want to say that we're grateful for your confidence in Emerge. Emerge.org has numerous resources, podcasts, downloads, training programs, coaching programs. We want to serve you. That's why we exist. We serve not as a church, but we come alongside the church we come alongside you, and we are blessed beyond words to have a place like Emerge to call home where people can be confident that they're getting biblically-based, Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-governed counseling that is also in conjunction with the best of what we know in science. We say, well-trained minds, Holy Spirit-governed hearts. How do you like that? That's what we're all about at Emerge. So we're really glad. We invite you to uh, visit our website and visit our table. There's numerous opportunities and a lot of people here that want to help you. Now, my mission today is to give you a 19-point sermon in three minutes. <laughs> and I've given you a handout. You see these handouts? Do you like the alliteration? They all start with C. Yeah. Connection, constantly, control, curiosity, confession, con contemplation, a childlike heart, consecration, creativity, uh, choosing, common sense, consider, community, continue, cultivate, commit, charity, contribution, and the cross. And then if you need a counselor, that's the other C. That's number 20. But it didn't fit into COVID-19. So I, I needed to have 19. In Chinese, which I preach once a month at the local Chinese church in Akron, and I have found out, you know, with Chinese, I don't speak any Chinese, but the Chinese language is actually this made up of characters, which are pictures, and those pictures tell the story. And interestingly enough, the word crisis in Chinese is made up of two characters that make up one word. The one character stands for danger. The other stands for opportunity. Isn't that interesting? And you know, in every crisis that you go through, listen, can I have your eyeballs for just a minute? Listen, you don't have to take any notes. And if you want a copy of the PowerPoint, see me, I'll send you a copy. You don't, don't be like my graduate students and think that you have to write everything down. I've, I've given you a handout because they're biblical. You know handouts are biblical, yes? <laughs> Did you ever think of that? Moses goes up on the mountain, conversation with God, comes down. Handouts, it's, that's the way it goes. I mean, that's, they're, they're very biblical. So the point is, is that 
Uh, I've given you these, and then if you need a copy of the, now there's six points I do want you to remember. Number one, everyone in this room has a unique call on your life. Okay, can I just say that again? May I have your eyeballs? I have a call on my life. Can you just say that? I, I have a call on my life. Call. Okay, so you define your place. My place is the place where God has me right now. And you know why I know that? Because somewhere along the line, you have said, yes, Lord. Do you know it's not possible to say no, Lord? It's possible to say no to the Lord, but it's not possible to say no, Lord. Because if Jesus is the Lord, the only answer is going to be yes. So that's one. Define your place. Number two, if you're writing notes, you need to take notes. I'll defer. Anyone that needs to do it, define your place. My place is here right now because of the call. Number two, refine my pace so that I may finish my race. race. And I do that. Here's the next three points. This is very easy. One, get healthy. Can you say that? I will, just say, I will get healthy. I will get healthy. Number two, I will guard my heart. I will guard my heart. And three, I will get a friend. So, okay, come on. All right, so number one, find my place, refine my pace so I can finish my, and I will do that by getting healthy. Number two, guarding my heart and getting a, all right, that's the talk. So now you can sit back. You ready to do that? So we're going to talk about all of these examples of people that have gone through a crisis. Well, there's all kinds of ones. The rich young ruler was going through an existential crisis. He, you know, he kind of wanted to know what, what he would have to do to inherit eternal life. This guy had inherited everything. And he says, okay, well, I've inherited this and houses and fields and flocks, and now what do I need to inherit? Oh, Jesus had to look at him with great patience, didn't he? And then Zacchaeus was in a career crisis, and the adulterous woman was in a moral crisis. The Samaritan woman had been in and out of how many marriages? Five. How many? Five. Five, and she hadn't even bothered to marry the guy that she was with. So she was in a, mar a marital revolving door. Mary and Martha had to experience the crisis of the death of their brother Lazarus. And Nicodemus was in a spiritual crisis, and he came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to be born again? It's all different kinds of crises. Listen, you're going to experience crisis just because you're breathing. Because you're breathing, because you're alive, that means you're going to sooner or later experience a crisis in your life. And may I say that crises are fairly predictable what you will go through. And may I say that as you go through a crisis, you will never, listen to me, you will never come out of a crisis the way that you go into a crisis because a crisis will always change you. Now, a crisis can leave you feeling bitter or a crisis can leave you feeling better. You know what the difference between bitter and better is? One letter, it's the letter I. Isn't that interesting? So we're going to talk about what that means. Can you see this okay? You don't need to have this in front of you. Okay, there we go. So, uh, so there's all different kinds of crises. The word crises comes from a Greek word. I'm going to show off that I don't know much Greek, but this is one that I do. The word crisis, K-R-I-S-I-S, crisis, comes from a Greek play where in the midst of a play, something happens where everything changes. Well, that's the nature of a crisis. A crisis comes, I mean, who would have thought uh, in January of 2020 that we would experience what we did in March of 2020? The whole world changed. The whole world, the whole country went into a crisis. And now we're hopefully, thankfully, maybe moving to the other side of the crisis. And one of the questions DL wants to ask you is, how has this crisis changed you? Are you better or are you bitter? 
And you see, it's, it's one of these crises moments that occur. And it, one of the things about a crisis is that it always presents danger and opportunities. It's usually time limited, thank God, but it's oftentimes complex and difficult to resolve and your previous experiences in life, you see the chances are really good. This is not your first crisis. In fact, may I say that you being born is a crisis? <laughs> it's a crisis for a lot of people. <laughs> it's a crisis for your parents. <laughs> now they have to learn how to change diapers and burp you and, and, they, and, and you as a baby could have cared less whether it was convenient for them in the middle of the night to wake up. Well, the thing is is that in crises, it always creates some disequilibrium. Now, that's a $50 word, isn't it? It just means you're upset. It's like you're flying in an airplane, and all of a sudden, you hit turbulence. That's what a crisis is like. Smooth sailing, everything's going well, things are moving along, and then, boom, something happens. You get hit, a crisis, all different kinds of crises that we've... And you know, one of the things we know is that sometimes... In fact, I will say this predictably, that pain is not the only predictor of change, but it is the most reliable predictor of change. Yes. And until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change, people will tend to say the same. But this crisis that we've been in has created a lot of pain. A lot of us have lost really good friends, yes or yes. A lot of us have lost loved ones, people that we've cared about. And it's been painful. This has been hard. It's been a hard season. People have left your churches. You don't know if they're going to come back. Uh, it's created sometimes for some of you health problems, some of its concerns in your family. It's affected all of us in different ways. And so I just would say that these are some of the phases of crises. But please don't, do not, please do not leave here saying, well, I've done this for two weeks, and now it's on to the next phase. It's next, this is three months, and this is the next one. This is six. Please don't do that. Because some of these will cycle back around. But generally speaking, if you were to smooth it out, these are typically the phases that go on in a crisis. Usually it's a shock. And the shock is just kind of like, I can't believe this just happened. I just, I mean, I was talking, my wife was on speakerphone, not on cell phone, but on speakerphone. And she, I was heading home a few months ago, and she was just checking in. She's heading home, I'm heading home. And all of a sudden, I hear this boom, and she says, I've just been hit. Someone just hit me from behind. I can't believe, and it's like all of a sudden shock, right? Remember, you go from shock, it's like, this can't be happening. This is not real. I've hit, you know, it's unbelievable. I, a bad diagnosis. It's, some, it's just can't be real. But then as it goes on, you move into the stormy phase, which is everything's turned upside down. We don't know what the normal is. You know, we don't know if we can get toilet paper. That's one thing. And, and people are smuggling now toilet paper out, you know. And who would have ever thought that two and a half years ago, that there would be shortages of toilet paper, for example. But that's the light things. But then just the shock and storm. It's the disequilibrium. It's the confusion. It's the... Uh, you know, what's, what's going on? And then we move into a search for like, okay, what's the, how many times have we heard this in the last few years? What's the new what? Normal. Yeah, new normal. Everyone's heard the term new normal because we're trying to just get some footholds. We're trying to get some handholds. What's life going to be like? Now, we know that we're not going to come out of a crisis the same way we went into a crisis. Things will never be as if it never happened, because it did happen. And then, thank God, there's something called a sequel. Can you just say, thank God for the sequel? That means we're going to move on to the next phase of our life. We're all experiencing this. The shock, the storm, the search, the sequel. You, that'd be a good sermon. You're welcome to it. There you go. All right, so now. This is where we're going to go through this so fast, it's going to make your head spin, because I want to get to the good stuff. But this is all pretty good. But number one, when you're going into the midst of a crisis, or you're coming out of a crisis, or when you're post-crisis, and when you're searching for the new normal, I want to say this. Please stay connected. That's one of the first casualties of COVID, is that we got disconnected. There were team members on our team at Emerge. Listen, eyeball me. There were team members, fellow counselors that I did not see for over a year. 
because they were doing all of their stuff from home, telecounseling. I was doing my stuff in the office and from home. I mean, you talk about the risk of lack of community. Did everyone else experience this? I mean, we felt very, I saw stay connected. That's one. So there's some things that are expanded on this. Number two, stay constant. There are certain routines. Now, if you want to get theological about this, you may call these the certain dailiness of your liturgy. The liturgy of the ordinary. You know what the liturgy of the ordinary is? The liturgy of the ordinary means I get up. That's one thing. I make the bed, that's one thing. I have some quiet time. So in other words, in the midst of all the chaos and all the uncertainty and all the, 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 the movement all around, there are some things that you can control. These routines are important. Jesus, are you ready for this? Oftentimes, regularly, he went away to the what? To the quiet place, to the desert, to the lonely place sometimes, where he wasn't lonely, but he went to a place where there was no one else around so that he could recoup, so that he could have fellowship with his father, so that he could be away from the crowds and the rhythm of your life. These are things that you do have some constancy over. Thirdly, what do you have control over? We're going to talk about this in just a moment. We're going to talk about your body. So if you like memory triggers, here's a memory trigger. How many of you like pie? Come on. Yeah. All right, now, there we go. All right, so how many like more than one pie? Okay, there we go. So here's the acronym, PIES with an extra S. This is PIES. <laughs> so think about PIES. This is your... Physical, intellectual, emotional, social, spiritual. We'll unpack this in a minute, all right? So, curiosity. Now, this is kind of an interesting dynamic. Do you realize that there have been many God moments during this pandemic? There's been ways that God has shown up that he would not have shown up without the COVID. There's been people that have been reached. There's people realizing, wow, we can actually experience God in ways that we hadn't experienced before. So just keep, keep a curiosity about looking for the God moments of your life. For, we're almost, see, this is wrong. we're making good headway through this. Confession, wow. In this time of COVID, maybe there's been isolation and maybe you've had some times where the Holy Spirit has actually spoken to your heart in new ways. And maybe there's been revealed to you, as in Psalm 139, it says, search me and, not just search me, but do what? Know me and see if there's any hidden. Do you realize that we live a great deal of our life below the level of conscious awareness? Can I just say that real slowly? We live much, if not most, of our lives below the level of conscious awareness. It's kind of like the, the program in your computer that runs in the background. It's there, and you may not even know it's there, but it's still affecting you. It's still motivating you. It's still driving you. It's still helping you. I mean, it's just or hurting you. A lot of that stuff, Jeremiah 17.9 put it this way. He said, the heart is deceitful above all else who can... There's a lot that goes on below the level of conscious awareness that's there. And if the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind, may I suggest that you become a good confessor. You know what the word confess means? Fess means to speak. Con means with. I'm agreeing with God. I'm coming alongside and looking at what I need to talk about God. I'm saying it again. Remember our last session, some of you were in Matt's session. He said, you have to say it with your words. You have to hear it. That's right. One of the minor prophets said these very profound, something very profound. Are you ready for this? You ready for something profound? Here it is. He said, bring with you words. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Bring with you words, Malachi. 
and bring with you words. Just bring words. And not only that, but confess known sins, or, and Holy Spirit, see if there's something I'm not aware of. Confess it, and you keep that dependence. Well, con- contemplation. What does the word contemplation mean? We're Pentecostals. We're, we're people that are life in the Spirit. We're active. We're action-oriented. What does the word contemplation mean? Meditate is another word. What's another word? Reflection. Wow. Say it out loud because we're among friends. Reflection, contemplation, meditation, introspection, insight, looking in with sight. How about that word? Silence, solitude, reflection. Dr. Crosby and I are working on an article right now. How do you like this little play on words? Still. (laughs) Are you aware that there are some things that God can speak to you in stillness that he will not be able to speak to you in noise? And we are, as a people, generally speaking, addicted to noise, action, and activity. And when I tell people that I come into my office, I say, would you mind taking five minutes of silence? Well, ask me to do anything. I'll I'll go to the ends of the earth. I'll I'll plant churches. I'll, I'll do this for the Lord. Just don't ask me to be still for five minutes. Because people oftentimes are afraid of what they will hear in silence. So we're working on that article. Stay tuned. I think it's going to be published probably in... What's the magazine? Uh, Influence magazine. All right, so they get it. Okay, childlike heart. Jesus said, unless you become like a little, you won't even see the kingdom of God. That's very, so have childlike, consecrate, rededicate. Interestingly enough, as Joshua begins to take the next, remember the first generation did not make it. They died in the wilderness. Well, the next generation comes up. They're ready to cross the Jordan. He says, we're ready to cross the Jordan. Ah, one more thing, guys. <laughs> oh, I forgot this. You've got to get circumcised. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like the sweat starts breaking out. Like, oh, wait a second. You didn't tell us this. <laughs> yep, so they, circum- they consecrated themselves to the Lord as a sign that they were completely sold out. And they consecrated, and I would say that the scripture talks about us being consecrated or circumcised in our hearts. Okay, so far so good? Creativity. There's no time that you will be more like Jesus Christ than when you are being creative. He was, is the creator. He's the creator of the universe, and he's the creator of new life. He's the giver of new life. He's the creator of helping us get past our past. All of those things, Jesus continues to create. He loves creating. And when you have that touch of Jesus in your heart for creativity, you are like him. All right, so choose to move forward. No going back to Egypt. What in the world does that mean, Don? Are you aware psychologically that when we are under stress, when we are in the midst of crisis, when we're tense, anxiety, hungry, angry, bored, Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, anxious, depressed. In other words, when we're going through hard things, do you know what the tendency is, humanly speaking? The tendency is to go back to, right? People will go back to old addictions. People will go back to old habits. They will go back to something that was, even though it wasn't healthy, it's familiar. And And when we study attachment theory or addictions, People will go back to something, an old wound. They'll go back to. That's a very human tendency to do, back to. Well, and Peter, when he had denied Christ, Jesus knew exactly where he was going to go. I mean, it was not a mystery. He says, I'll see you in Galilee. (laughs) And sure enough, he shows up on the shore and Peter's out. He had gone back to something that was familiar to him. And remember what Jesus said. He said, look, have you looked? Have you, well, we've been out all night. I'm the fisherman here. Who are you? Oh, it's Jesus. 
cast your net on the other side. 157 fish later, they come to the shore. Jesus has already got breakfast for them. They come to the shore, and Jesus has this come to Jesus talk with Peter. You've heard of come to Jesus talk. Well, he had come to Jesus talk. And he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? I don't think he was sitting around looking, do you love me more than these other guys sitting around the fire? I think he was looking at the big pile of fish. He was looking at his old life. He was looking at the things that he was familiar with, that he had gone back to in the midst of his stress. And he said, do you love me more than these? Do you want to be known as the world's greatest fisherman? Or do you want to change the world? And I would say to you, as you've gone through the different crises of your life, do you really want to go back to? Or are you ready to move into the relationship with Christ and move on to the new life? All right, we're moving fast here. Common sense. You know, there's been, there's been division. I, two years ago, no one would have told me we're getting a divorce because one of us is vaxxed and one is not. Ask me if I've heard that several times in the last year. Yeah, really, really. I mean, people, I mean, church is splitting. I've got people, half the, blah, blah, blah. You know, and just on and on. There's this, some, just sometimes you just have to use the common sense. Pay attention to your bodies. We'll talk about that. All right. Consider, that means think about, determine, emulate him. Think of Christ and worship him. Number 13, stay in community as much as you can. There are few things, when you talk about the ec- Ecclesia, the called out ones. You're not just called out from, you're called out from unto a community. That's what this whole thing about community life is all about. That's why I'm glad we have a synergy conference, for example. We actually get to be back together again. That's kind of cool. All right, so 14 is continue. The word continue is an interesting term. The word is meno, M-E-N-O. That's my second Greek word that I know, M-E-N-O. Meno is the difference between meno and xenos. Xenos is you come to my house, you stay for a couple days, and you leave. You're a visitor. Meno, Jesus says, I don't want you to xenos me. I want to meno with you. That means I want to abide with you. I want my life to be your life. I want your life to come into my life. The word abide means that we remain, that we stay with, that we don't give up, we don't give in. We're not going to live in fear. That meno kind of life is the life of I'm coming and I'm staying. (laughs) And you know, when you are with somebody, over a period of time. Listen, can I have your eyeballs for a minute? When you are with someone for a period of time, you begin to take on their characteristics. And that's why Jesus said, I don't want you just to xenos me. I want you to abide in me so that my life can become your life. That's what that, isn't that, that's kind of cool to think about, isn't it? All right, so not only that, but we cultivate new relationships, new habits, new interests. Hope, remember that you come out of a crisis different than you go in. So what new things have happened as a result of COVID for you? For example, uh, new habits, new interests, new relationships. 16, commit to be positive, to be faithful. Oh, this is, oh, if you want a good love story, Go to the book of Revelation and think about these letters to the seven churches as love letters to the church. And Jesus says to the church, there was a time when you were hot for me. He says, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. Just don't be what? Lukewarm love will kill any relationship. Will you keep that in mind? And Jesus says, commit to your first love. That's really kind of cool. All right, am I going too slow, too fast, about right? We do it. Listen, these are all written down for you. That's why I wanted you to have a handout. Charity, I'm going to give myself to love, and I'm going to be a giver over being a taker. By the way, in marriage counseling, I say there's three kinds of people. 
One, there are givers. Well, actually, there's two. There's givers and there's takers. If a taker uh, gets matched up with a giver, that giver is going to keep giving and that taker is going to keep on taking. If you have a giver with a giver, you're going to say, Jesus, don't come today because life is good. Right? I mean, if you have a generous person and you're a giver and you're another giver. Now, if you have a taker with a taker, I call it justice. <laughs> All right. Be a contributor. Your time, your talents, your treasurer to organizations that support and proclaim the gospel. So um, keep Emerge in mind. We love to be supported and we love to do the work uh, with your support to continue to bless others. So keep that in mind. But also, you know, your churches, of course as your first source of giving, that's for sure. Okay, 19, keep your eye on the cross. I will keep the cross before me, behold the Lamb. Now, with that in mind, I want to take this little bit of time and just slow it down for a little bit. Is it okay if I slow it down? How are we doing? We're okay. We're going to be fine. we got about 20 minutes. We're good. Okay, can you breathe for a second? Okay, eyeball one another. Peace to you, peace to you, may peace abound in all you do, peace to do the will of the Father, peace, peace to you. So this is how you're going to finish the race. Number one, you are going to not only find your place, refine your pace so you can finish the race, but you're going to do it by getting healthy and you're going to guard your heart, and you're going to find a... Okay, so let's talk about that. This is not really a marathon. This is, it's not a sprint. It's, life is, in the Christian life right now, it's much more like a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's much more like a marathon. Well, um, would you like to hear a funny marathon story? I am not a runner. I'm a plotter. I plod... And my main goal in a race is to show up and finish without an ambulance. That's the main goal. <laughs> but here's the deal. Now watch this. My very first marathon that I ran was when I was 45, okay? And I had no idea about running marathons. I knew nothing. I trained, I thought. I got there, and a friend saw me coming up, and he says, you better get going because they've already started. And here I had trained for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I... I, you know, I pushed my way through the crowd, and I said, what do you mean, you know, what's going on? Am I in the right place? I literally said, and I got to the very, very front of about, oh, 14,000 runners, and they said, oh, yeah, the wheelchair race has started. <laughs> and I'm standing at the front of 14,000 runners, and I'm about ready to get trampled. I mean, all these Kenyans and Ethiopians, these are people that, you know, they're just, they're born, they, they come out of the womb running. They're, they, these people know how to run. Well, I, I realized now that I had not found my place. <laughs> my place was about two-thirds of the way back. So I got back, finished my first marathon, and have done a few since then. But you get the idea. So your body matters. Can you say my body matters? My body matters. My body matters. There's so much that goes on in your body. Your body is the first megaphone of what is going on in your inner life. Your emotional life, your spiritual life. I mean, um, you go all the way through Proverbs and talk about all of the, even unconfessed sin will have typically an effect on your, on your what? On my body be a good study to do. Your body keeps the score, may I say. And so we're talking about these five areas. These are the pies with the extra S, physical, intellectual, emotional, social, spiritual. And that means that in your body, make sure that you get adequate rest, adequate leisure, your medical checkups, and on and on. Make sure you're eating vegetables and ugh, all this stuff. And make sure you're getting enough sleep. Now remember, we've talked about this already, right? You're not getting enough rest. You need sleep. Your dog needs sleep. You need sleep. So get some sleep. Do you realize that we know now when we study sleep that there are certain neurochemicals that are only replenished in your brain when you are sleeping at night? 
can I, you're looking at me as if, listen, I'm going to keep on going as if I know what I'm talking about. And this I really do. <laughs> listen, there are certain neurochemicals that are replenished in your brain when you are sleeping at night. It helps you. That's why some of the medications we take help people sleep that are even antidepressants to help people sleep so that the neurochemicals can replenish so that we can take dominion over depression, for example. You staying with me? Yes. I know. It's been a long day. Are you ready to sing again? Or are we just going to keep on going? Here we go. Get some sleep. And make sure that you build into your life something called... Holy leisure. What does that mean? Well, holy sex, holy sleep, holy golf, holy fishing, holy hunting, holy knitting, holy shopping. Ooh, I don't even know if that goes together. Holy shopping? Okay, if it replenishes your soul is the point. Do those things that are within your power to do that allow you to do over time what you could not do by direct effort. Now, that's a mouthful. Let me say it again. It's like spiritual disciplines. A discipline is something that is in your power to do that allows you over time to do what you could not do by direct effort. It's kind of like building holy habits. So if you need to go fishing and not feel guilty about it, name your boat Visitation. Where are you? Oh, he's out on Visitation. Huh? Seriously. I mean, or, or I've got my schedule. I've got, you know, most people will respect your calendar. You know, can you do this, 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 and this, and this, and this? Let me check my calendar. Oh, man, I'm going to be on visitation during that time. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> you with me? All right, so make sure that your mind stays fresh. Don't become intellectually inert. Think about your thinking. Be aware of your thinking. Not just, and only just because you're thinking it doesn't make it true. Think about your thinking. Do your contemplation. Do your meditation. Do your reflection. Do your insight. Do your, Lord, seek me and help me. But what I'm thinking even about myself is not true. Read some good books, of course. You know, but be aware of your thinking. Be aware of your emotional life. What's going on emotionally? And may I say that a large part, can, I, I, can you eyeball me for a second? A large part of your emotional life is going to come out through your creative life. I've seen people listen, true story, over and over and over and over and over again for the last 37 years that I've been doing this. I have seen people experience some physical healing when they unleash the creative aspect of their life. They have been pushing it down, stuffing it down, and that creative energy just gets stuck. And oftentimes, it comes out as a body symptom. Not oftentimes, not all the time, but all, oftentimes enough so that when they begin to unleash that creativity again, their bodies start to heal. Isn't that interesting? So I would not make the major decisions of your life based upon your emotions. I mean, it could just be the, the pizza that you had for dinner last night. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, and, but don't clam up, but don't blow up and just find some good ways to do some stress management. This is, you know, that is not part of the keto diet. So don't even think about it and realize that, you know, that's what goes on, but get some of that creative energy out. So we're talking about body, mind, emotions. Yes or yes. So far, so good. Get your artistic part of you going. Say, oh, Don, I'm not really. Yes, you are. You have the spark of Christ in you. Let me go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verse 1. All, how many things? All things that were created were created through him. And you have the very, the Greek word is the word zoe, life of Christ in you. If you're born again, if you're born of the spirit, you have been born of the spirit, and you have that spark of creativity in you. The question is, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. Just try something new. Photography, writing could be, you know, could be any number of things that are creative. You say, nobody has to look at it, do they? No, no one has to look at it. But, but it's something that you just, the thrill of just the, that's doing it itself, that's what we're looking for. Have that unleashed. And make sure that you get to your friends. Wow. 
This is so huge. This, in fact, this is one of the six big points. Get a friend. Did I say that? How, how important is that? Huge. I'm thinking of a really big word. Huge. Big. Massive. Critical. In fact, let me put it this way. Can, I, I, can you eyeball me? This is going to be a serious statement. Are you ready for a serious statement? If you do not have a close friend in your life, you will have a moral failure. Now, that's a pretty blunt statement. And I've never seen any exception. In 37 years and 47,000 hours of clinical work, I have never seen an exception to that. Get a friend or have a failure. How do you like that? Now, that's not to say if you do have a friend that you won't have a failure because you may be able to even hide it from your friends. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this. If you do not have a friend, you are going to have a failure. So that's how important this is. Unless you like failures, which I don't think anyone really does. So these are all people. So what are the rules of having a friend? All right, you, you want some rules? Okay, here's a rule. One, whoever your close friend is cannot be overly impressed by you. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean they dislike you. It just means they're not wild by you. Right? It's just kind of like you can be real, transparent, open, honest, authentic. And they're like, okay. You know, I'm not wild by you. Well, I mean, these are, these are the people who are not going to begin calling you name doctor, reverend. <laughs> these are people who say, hey, you, or, you know, whatever they're going to call you. They can't be overly impressed. They have to, uh, they have to have probably, it's probably going to be same sex, like same gender, similar interests. In other words, they can see the world through your eyes. They ask a second question and a third question. In other words, they can ask you a question, and then they'll ask you another question, and then they'll ask you another question. And they can stay out of, for a while, they can stay out of their own autobiography. You know how it is when you start to share something, and then someone says, well, I can relate to that, and they start telling their story? Well, that, that conversation pretty much ends. But if someone says, well, tell me more about it, what was that like for you? How did you manage that? And then you listen, 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 listen. Be quick to what the scripture says. Quick to, what's the word? Listen. I was not being quick to tell my own story. No, it's quick to listen and slow to speak. You ask a second question. This person is, stays out of their own autobiography for a while. They're not, overly, they're not overwhelmed by your honesty. <gasps> what? Did I just hear that out of your mouth? Well, chances are you're not going to be able to share much. But if they're not overwhelmed, if they can stay with you and hold with you, if they have that deep koinonia with your heart, they can be a friend. And I can tell you that a friend can even stick closer than a what? Than a brother. As iron sharpens iron. You guys know the word really well. I'm so impressed. As iron sharpens iron. OK, why are these people out there? Are we supposed to be done? Can I, can I have five more minutes? We're almost done. OK, take care of your soul. So let's do the pies real quick. So how's your memory doing? Physical is, or, whoop, the P is what? <laughs> the P is physical, the I. So you think about your thinking. E is your, your first S, and your second S, spiritual. All right, so take care of these foundational parts of your life more than, in other words, understand that the purpose of spiritual disciplines is not spiritual disciplines. I mean, I'm impressed by how many times I read the Bible. God's not that impressed. He wrote it. Like, why would he, why would he be all that impressed that I read it? He knows that I need to read it, and my life, you know, is in that. But in other words, just realize that training for a marathon is not the purpose of a marathon. The, the training is not the purpose. The training is so that on the day of the marathon, you run the marathon, you run the race. So spiritual disciplines are not an end to themselves. They are a means of grace to bring you into a relationship. And in that relationship, you're changed. Have a good balance of study, a good rhythm of life. I like the word probably better than balance. Uh, make sure that you put it all on there. And then we're about ready to be done. So here are five things that I'm going to suggest that you learn 
to say to yourself based upon the word of God. And every one of these scriptures is there. God loved us in that while we were yet, Christ died for us. If you want to know how much God loves you, how much did he love me when I was his enemy? He died for me. And how much does he love me now? You know what the scripture uses? The terms much more. Much more. How much does God love you now that you're his? Much more. I am lovable because of Jesus Christ. I am valuable. Peter says that our salvation is not purchased with silver, with gold, or any perishable thing. Our salvation is purchased with the very precious blood of Christ. And you know, value is something that is placed on what you're willing to pay for it. I can say, look, I've got this car and it's worth $50,000. And I go to the dealer and he says, I'll give you 15. <laughs> God says, I didn't purchase your salvation with silver, gold, or anything that's perishable. I purchased your gold. Your, your, I purchased you with the very precious blood of Christ. May I just say this? If you've ever wondered whether or not you're a valuable human being, you are valuable because God says that. And not only that, but you're forgivable. 1 John 1.9 says that, that if we will what? Yes. Confess our sins, he is faithful and just to for and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul said, and, and not only am I lovable, valuable, forgivable, but I'm changeable. Paul said, look, listen, he loves me enough. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, but when I became a, I put away... I'm changeable. Thank God. He loves you so much that in all things, he works together for your good so that you can be conformed, reformed, transformed into the very image of his beloved son. You are changeable. You are not stuck with your past. And not only that, Jesus says, I am not going to leave you. There's nothing you can do about it. I love you and I will never leave you alone. I am, say it together, I am lovable, I am, I am, I am, I am, amen. All right, so there we go. So define your place, refine your, finish your, and you do that by what? Getting, by doing it, and getting a, because people are going to remember how you lived your life, they will remember how you love, but they will also remember how you leave. That's really good news. And Paul said, I have actually finished my race, kept the faith, and this is in store for me. Now, he's going to cross that line. I think nail-scarred hands will put a crown on his head. I think he's going to take it right back off and lay it at the hands of our Savior. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you because he can't keep his eyes off of you. He loves you that much. Oh, Lord Jesus, as we move into this post-COVID world, and we're going to be changed, we won't be the same. Help us to not go back to Egypt and help us not to go back to the nets, but help us keep our eyes moving forward to that prize, the high calling that Christ, that you, with your hands and your blood, have purchased for us. Bless my brothers and sisters, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.